Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin stays in the West End of Richmond, where it is Thursday, January the 7th. Virginia had a game on a Wednesday, which requires us to record either on Tuesday or Thursday, and the fellows uh, wisely chose Thursday because then we could actually talk about the game that happened. Of course, in this season, who knows when the games actually do happen, and sometimes they happen at 2.30 in the afternoon. Uh, we will talk about that win last night, 70-61 uh, to 61 over Wake Forest. An interesting game, especially that second half, I think is uh, uh, plenty to, to dive into. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Up in uh, Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going. It's going. I don't have anything funny to say tonight. So, sorry to all my fans. <laughs> you know where to find me on Twitter to complain about that. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. They always say if you can't be good, be brief, and if you can't be both, right? Um, and up in Loudon, oh, I got it right. Uh, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on this year program. What's going on, my dude? Are you tracking my movements? No, I'm just saying I um, like to be accurate. All right, I like to be accurate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it's accurate. I'm in Loudon, so I'm still at uh, Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter, though, which is <laughs> wherever I go. So <laughs> wow. And uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. All right. I have two things I want to talk about before we actually get to the basketball. One, I want to explain why I just said the thing about Loudon. So Dave says, you know, Ferber, you're under lockdown. And Ferber's like, Ferber goes, pardon, which literally was the funniest thing I've, I've heard all week. But he then tells us that he moved like it a might, month ago. It might not be the last pardon. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he tells us he moved like a month ago. And I'm like, wait, I've been saying uh, whatever for the next three weeks. And then they basically joked on me because I messed it up so much. Um, I'm trying to think of how much I actually let that go through. So I know I've edited it a bunch. And I've definitely re-recorded it at least once. Um, so anyway, so that's, uh, so congratulations on your, uh, on your relocation. Hopefully your new place is great. Second thing. Um, so when I get to the game last night, they only let us in an hour, um, before tip. And this is obviously a, you know, COVID-19 thing this year. And, you know, first thing I do when I walk in, I made sure I got there on time because, you know, we knew Virginia was going to have guys out and I wanted to see who was, who was warming up. And so I said, you know, here are the guys who have gotten shots up thus far. And the immediate reaction for people be like, wait, wait, where's Jay Huff? Wait, wait, where, where's this guy? And I'm like, God, did I don't think I, I, I did not expect that people would think that like that was the exhaustive list. I said thus far. And then I had to well, issue that's like what you get for not yeah. assuming people are going well, to go there. That's true. <laughs> I mean, people I mean, I understand people were, were intense and, you know, considering the, the day and everything. I mean, I get why people were, you know, very much looking forward to some sort of distraction. And then when they f- thought for a little while there, Virginia was going to have six guys. I think they were a little worried. Um, but so Virginia goes into the game without Casey Morsell, without Austin Katstra, um, without all three full time assistant coaches. It was Tony Bennett. Uh, along with Ronnie Weidman, Johnny Carpenter on the bench. They did have Ethan Saliba and Mike Curtis, um, and then everybody uh, else was there. Cody Statman, obviously, not playing right now per uh, Tony, and then a, a release last night specific to the the test he was undergoing or is undergoing, continues to undergo, are related to a, a cardiac uh, situation. Um, so thoughts to him, and hopefully they get that straightened out soon. I, I guess let's talk about the – the basketball part of it, knowing that Casey wasn't going to be out there, you know, if this would have been a different opponent, maybe you're a little bit more nervous, but when 
you realize uh, per you know Jason Wilford on his podcast it was going to be two guys out to have those two guys be out I, I didn't think it, it impacted Virginia much um, though there were definitely some times in the first half where I thought Casey's defense would have been pretty good overall coming out of that game what are our thoughts about the team I mean that second half to me looked uh, at least in some ways encouraging uh, Dave let's start with you what were your your what's your general take on uh, on this team coming out of that game do you feel better about things do you feel about the same did that move the needle for you yeah I don't know if it moved the needle like I mean I start you got to feel bad for the guys you know having you know two games can you know what multiple games canceled but two a a long shutdown and now a what was at least a couple days shut down like it's hard when they finally had a little momentum going um defensively given that I thought the first half they were a little late on a couple of rotations and gave up some shots but um second half the the effort picked up defensively especially and you know they still look it's not an elite defensive team it is not going to be unless they can get much better between now and you know hopefully the NCAA tournament um I mean, I think we at this point I've kind of just resigned myself to that fact, you know, given the way practice has to be and the way the year is going to be, and the pieces on the team. Like they're just not going to be elite defensively, but offensively they're starting to gel. I think guys are starting to starting to kind of feel their way how they mesh with their teammates. Like Jay Huff last night had some powerful moves in the post, which you know, using his size against younger guys, you know, against against other guys it's something we haven't seen much from him um hauser played through the post a couple of times last night which i think is another something i asked for and i guess tony heard me um and then i thought reese beekman really showed some surprisingly quick you know su- surprising athleticism last night he's a lot quicker than i thought he was i mean we've seen glimpses but you know he's definitely a guy who can control the pace and then kihei continues to have a great stretch you know he kind of rough to start the year and but the last three games he's been fantastic so i think there's positives if you want to find them and there's definitely negatives it's just i mean i'm i can live with with bad defense when there's some effort there because i know the pieces aren't as good um and i thought in the second half they did have some that a lot more effort yeah, I, I want to, first off, Dave just get basically listing all of the takes, um, not leaving anything for anybody else. I want to start with Beekman. Um, I think there have definitely been moments this season where he is flash and you thought to yourself, whoa, like this, this, is, this, is, this is exactly what I, I expected Virginia to get, if not a little bit better. But my problem with him has been, I, I don't think he's been um, nearly as decisive, nearly as um, confident as frankly he should be like he's very talented and Tony talked a little bit about this in the post game last night right the idea of you know that sometimes it can be hard for a guy to play next to Kihei right to to be sort of the um you know for lack of a better description like the accessory guard right um but I thought he was he was at times last night he he really he really seemed like he was scratching that potential um now he's got to put it together right obviously he's got to do it over extended periods of time but yeah, I thought his 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 first step when he's decisive, it's that's a that's a heck of a weapon. Um, he had that one where you know he 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 gets to the rim and um, you know I was I, you know it's one of those plays that sort of makes you makes you wonder about what's what's ahead. 
uh, I was really impressed with him. And I think he, that might be, other than, than the play of Sam Hauser, I think that might be the one takeaway for me that feels the most firm in my mind, which is that, yeah, he's going to have some, some Jekyll and Hyde in him this season. Um, but, you know, what's there is, is, is really special, and they need to give him minutes. I think that part is pretty clear to me. What about you, Ferber? What were some of your, your takes um, from watching that game last night? What, what's kind of stuck with you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think the defense was perfect or anything, um, but I think for the most part in the first half, the Wake's lead um, was really built by them making a lot of shots that are tough shots to make, shots that they hadn't made to this point in the season. Um, So I wasn't really worried about them being able to play that out for 40 minutes because that just doesn't happen, right? And if it did, then it's a one-off thing, right? Um, I said before the game that this is a game that UVA should be able to win, even if they are missing guys See you guys in our text thread, because I, I went through the wake preview and yeah, they dusted a couple of, you know, pretty mediocre, low major teams and then beat a D two team. Um, but I mean, I didn't see a lot from their roster and, and I think they have a chance down the road, you know, to be pretty good, um, under Forbes. I think it's going to take time, but, um, I think, yeah, I think you guys hit on it, the aggression on the offensive end individually. Um, I'm not sure if that's a coaching thing or it's just more comfortability in the offense and, you know, getting more time together after the shutdown. But you're seeing some guys, you know, really like put their head down, go to the rim, uh, make aggressive moves, post people up, do things that um, didn't really seem to come natural a lot earlier in the season. It was just a lot lot of shooting over guys or – you know, indecisiveness. So I think that's good to see. Um, yeah, Reese Beekman, you hit on that. I mean, he, he was great. I thought Murphy had a really nice game. Um, and, and Huff, you know, you can see what he's able to do when he, you know, he's just so, he's a, such a physical sort of presence at the rim. I mean, he's just so hard to guard because he's so skilled, but also so big. And that just makes him a tough matchup. And I think that, you know, sometimes it's just like, Hey, this is the easiest way to get a bucket. Just get him the ball. And he just needs to take it up strong and, and he'll get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly not a performance. that's going to raise any eyebrows. They didn't blow wake out. Um, you know, they rallied from 12 down or whatever it was in the first half, 13. but yeah, 13. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but, but it's a win, you know, it, they, they sort of looked like UVA, what we expect to see most of the night. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that's a step forward in the right direction with a lot of basketball left to be played. And and I think that, you know, I, the, the, I don't think it's like this. I don't think with this team you're just going to see like the light bulb, like you're going to snap your fingers and all of a sudden they're going to be really, really good. I think if they're going to get better, and I think that they will, I think that you're going to see a steady sort of improvement. And I think that's what we're starting to see. Um, obviously, like Notre Dame and Wake Forest aren't Gonzaga, um, but – you know, like you're not again, you're not. This is a sort of a team that you play in the ACC, a team with talent, pretty good coach and some weaknesses. And, you know, so far through two ACC games, they've done a pretty good job of exploiting that. And they're going to have some more opportunities against a pretty manageable schedule in the next couple of weeks. All right. I lied. It was 12. Um, all right. Let's look through the numbers. Speaking of my mistake. All right, so I didn't realize this at the time, but all five starters for Virginia scored in double figures. I, I don't know when the last time that is. Um, uh, February maybe Towson. <laughs> Wait, it's what? only happened twice under Tony. It's only happened twice before under Tony. Oh, nice. Um, 
I can't remember who tweeted it. So if oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, okay. I, I, for a um, second, I was like, yeah. "Dang, Dave, did you just like pull that out of the ether?" Because that's impressive. Um, <laughs> no, I was trying to find it on Twitter, but yeah, someone so, talked about it today. So Beekman, February nineteenth, twenty twenty, was the last one. All right, gotcha. So Beekman's line: he's he's four from eight from the field with a one for three from three, three fourth of free throw line. He had uh, twelve points, three assists, five steals, played thirty six uh, minutes and change. Kihei played all forty and scored ten. Uh, he had three assists, but he also had three turnovers. Um, Trey Murphy played 38 minutes, uh, 13 points, four of eight from the field. Um, and then there's Sam Hauser, 35 minutes and change, almost 36 minutes, um, 16 points on seven for 13 shooting, only one for six from the floor, but 11 boards, which was by far the best on the team. McCoy was next at five. Virginia only had eight points from the bench, but I guess when five you and your five stars score double figures, that's you know going to happen. Um, Thirty-eight twenty advantage points in the paint for the Hoos. Um, they only turned it over six times, which I believe they turned it over at least seven times every game last year, if my memory is serving me right. Um, difference between the first and the second half. <laughs> Wake goes from scoring thirty-nine in the first to twenty-two in the second. Um, Somebody said that they thought Virginia needed to score 36 points in the second half to win. And Virginia scored 36 points exactly in the second half. Um, Dave, do you want to take a victory lap for that, or you, or you just want to leave the victory laps to me being annoying? I'm good. Yeah, I thought so. Um, but realistically, like I, I feel like coming out of this game, I, I feel like I might have a, a little bit of a better idea for what these guys should be. Um, I'm still not sold on... Too many, you know, too many, too much, too many minutes. I guess playing Huff and, and Hauser together, although I'm not entirely sure that that you can get away from it. If that makes any sense, um, I used to think that their best lineup would be the the big lineup, but now I, I genuinely think that if you can get Kihei and, and Beekman playing together, that's that's good for you. Um, I'm not entirely sure that the five they had on the floor last night to start and the five who you know carried the lion's share of the minutes. That that's not the rotation. Um, you know, there there are nights when, if you think about Walter Tensai and, and and Marcel, you know, you can kind of think like, oh, if you need a little more offense or you need a little more defense. Um, and I still think Caden Shedrick should be getting more minutes because I think he's got so much potential. But realistically, that five that played last night might be their best five. What do you think, Ferber? Is that uh, is that what you kind of want to see them do? Is to really focus on that group going forward? Yeah, I mean, this is something that you see every year, right? I mean, just like the shortening of the bench. And, and to, this is part of the development of a team under Tony, and I'm sure other teams are the same way, but this is the team that we focus on. Um, you know, you see that the lineups get tinkered with for a while, and then eventually, you know, he finds something, and that's usually what we see for the bulk of the season from that point on. And I think last year part of the problem was they came kind of later in the season before they finally figured out who they wanted to play um, a lot. And – you know, I think that this group, you have an experienced point guard who's, who's won a national championship and has been through the battles. You have Hauser, who's sort of figuring it out. I mean, obviously his defense has been a work in progress at best, and his offense has kind of came and it comes and goes. I mean, he's he's solid. I think he leads the team in scoring. Um, but, you know, he, he's not playing at an ACC player of the year level, which was obviously the expectation for a lot of people. Murphy, I think, you know, is, is um, probably the most talented guy on the team. And, and I think that he needs to be a focal point on the offensive end for most of the season because I, I just he, he can shoot the ball, he can get to the rim, he can do everything you need to do. Um, 
And then Huff, obviously, is is gonna he's sort of an irreplaceable piece in the middle uh, at this point. Um, you know, he's a, a starter at, at that position and, and a, a veteran, a guy who's been around. So, um, and then after that, you have some wiggle room. I mean, obviously, when Morcel gets back, he'll be a big part of the lineup, and and then you have Beekman who's playing his way in, and and Wolde Tensai. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and Justin McCoy. So I mean, there's gonna be some tinkering. There's gonna be some games where like. I, w- I didn't go into this game assuming that Murphy would play f- 38 minutes and, and Hauser would play 35, but I think that that's the sort of thing you will probably see more in, in the future just because, um, you know, like you're past the point of tinkering, right? I mean, you're into ACC play. It's time to put your best five out there and see what you can do, and and hopefully it, it, as long as the defense doesn't suffer to the point where you lose the game, then, you know, you got to do what you got to do on the offensive end. But, um I think having so many guys on the team that are capable players is not a bad thing, but sometimes it's better for the cohesiveness and chemistry of the team if you only play seven or eight of them rather than ten. I think. Um, well, actually, before I say that, Dave, what about what about you? What about you? Do you feel like this is Virginia's best five at this point? I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I think Morcel's defense and his offense has gotten better. Like, I mean, I think. Maybe he's part of the best five, but I think you know the issue is for him to be on the floor. You really can't have Beekman and Clark on the floor against most teams with Morsell. Um, so I mean, I, I'm fine if this is going to be the starting five, and I think you know you bring Morsell in for whichever guard needs needs a rest, and hopefully Kihei won't keep playing 40 minutes a game the rest of the ACC schedule like we have seen in the past. Um, but yeah, I mean it's. Finding minutes for Shedrick is going to be difficult. Um, I mean, I, I agree. He's got to play. Um, but, you know, and Walt, my guess is that Walter Tensai is just going to – he's going to be one of the guys who just gets minutes when there's foul trouble or, or the offense is struggling or it's a blowout. Um, and that's no slight to him because I thought he improved greatly towards the end of last year um, and looked good in his minutes this year. It's just, you know, he can't – you know, he, he's not someone who can instigate the offense, uh, initiate the offense um, very well. He's he's more of a, you know, a catch and shoot guy. Um, so I think Morcel can can at least kind of run some point and take some pressure off the the other point guard. So yeah, I mean, look, I, I've said my piece about Hauser and his defense in the last podcast. Um, I mean, last night I, mean, I was impressed with his with his effort. Um, and as long as he's playing efficient offense, I think it's hard to keep him off the floor unless the defense, you know, it, it's just terrible. Um, but yeah, it, my guess is this is it. That, you know, we know Tony likes to play two point guards together. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, long story short, I, I don't, I don't know what the best starting five is because this is last podcast. I believe I said if it were up to me, I'd almost bring Hauser off the bench. Um, so. Maybe I'm foolish. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we can have a discussion. I, I think it's fair at this point to, you know, we we obviously have had, you know, some recalibration. I think for everybody who who watches this team, you know, I, you know, I was very high on on um, Hauser coming into the season and was, you know, have been really kind of confused as to what I've seen. That second half, I thought something clicked for him a little bit and. You know, Tony talked a lot in the post game about you know sort of his his innate 
ability to rebound and how that's really good for this team. Um, this was the first game I thought where even though he wasn't hitting from outside that, that the offense still seemed like it had a good flow. And I'm not sure that with, with these five, you know, that's why I asked the question about whether this was the best group, because I'm not sure as they go forward, you know, how many teams is this going to be the best five against one? And then two, like, is Tony going to be okay riding just a group of five, right? Is he going to want to put Shedrick in there more, you know, where, you know, there's a game where he plays, you know, instead of playing, you know, four or five minutes, he plays 15 or 20, right? Like, what's it look like? Um, Tony's always been a matchup coach. I think he's always going to be a matchup coach. The pack line obviously requires that to some extent. Um, but I thought Hauser, this game looked more comfortable to me. He looked more, um, he looked more within himself. Um, there have definitely been times, I think, in previous games where it just felt like to me he was sort of not necessarily going through the motions per se, but he was still trying to figure it out, and he was only doing that at like 75% speed. And what I mean by that is, is that like he was thinking so much that he wasn't able to just be in the flow and just play the game. And I felt like in the second half, he, he did a lot more of just playing the game. Um, Virginia, you know, obviously did a great job defensively in the second half of not necessarily turning uh, Wake Forest's water off, though. You know, you don't go from down 12 to, um, to up 12 like Virginia did, um, excuse me, up 13, um, without – you know, doing some some real damage on defense. And granted, some of this was regression to the mean for the Deeks. Um, you know, that's a that's an interesting group of players who I think are probably um, they're going to surprise some people randomly at times this season. Um, the Mucius kid I think has a lot to work with. Um, you know, the Antonio kid got a little got a little hot late, but Wake only shoots what in the second half thirty eight percent from the floor. Um, Still hit a couple more threes than they probably should have, but realistically, I thought Virginia's defense in the second half was was really strong, and that seemed to be what Tony Bennett really was excited about. And um, he sounded, this is going to sound odd, he sounded more like the Tony Bennett we've come to expect as opposed to um, earlier in the season. He sounded very, um, I don't want to say just different. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. It was just like. He, he, it's almost like he wasn't sure what this team was supposed to be, and so he wasn't going to be very hard on them, but he was also still not happy with where they were, if that makes any sense. Um, so coming out of this thing, you know, I think, you know, like I said, I feel like I've got a little bit better feel for who they're going to be. Um, as they go forward, I mean, we, we haven't mentioned, you know, since we, we talked that game against Virginia Tech got canceled, or excuse me, postponed. Um, they're now playing next Wednesday in the afternoon. So I'm guessing we'll probably record after that game. So we'll have two more games, hopefully knock on wood, um, you know, pray to Joe boo or whoever, um, you can to, 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 for these games to actually happen. Um, how do we feel? I just want to get like a general sense of sort of where things are, a sit rep, if you will. Um, knowing Ferber mentioned the schedule coming up and let's assume that the games as scheduled do get played. Let's just assume that. They won't have more sell um, this weekend. But what are our, what's our general sense of this team? Um, do, we, do we think that they're at a place where in what looks like a very down year in the league, um, do, we have, do we have a sense that this team is, is going to, to be anywhere close to preseason expectations? Dave, let's start with you. What, how do you feel about Virginia and you know, whether the, the league actually runs through Charlottesville like we expected it to, to do? I mean, I, I think it's still a little too early to be confident, but I mean, I feel, 
I mean, I do feel like we're starting to see progress. Um, I, mean, I, I can't remember. I think it was Justin that said this seems like how Tony develops teams, and that's kind of the sense I got in that second half last night. Once they got down big, they really kind of turned it on, um, and we've seen that over the years, and that's usually the sign of a, you know, teams are going to hit shots on you. It's how you respond to it. This group who's had some failures, you know, getting blown out by Gonzaga and losing to San Francisco and almost losing to Kent State, um, they didn't look rattled even when they got down. And I think that was encouraging. I think Kihei played a part of that, and the bench certainly was more active. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I still – I've watched – I think I've watched everyone in the ACC play now. There's some good teams out there. Like Clemson looks pretty good. You know, Carolina I still don't know what to make of. I, I, if I had to put money on it, if I was forced to put money on it, I'd think I still think Virginia is probably the favorite in the ACC um, going forward because I do think we'll continue to see marginal improvement from the defense, um, and that's really all you need on the defensive end because I think the offense. There were some really pretty, you know, passing last night. There was see, they seem to be understanding each other a little better. I think Ken Palm's got him at like 35th in the country in efficiency now. Um, so if they just, and they miss, they're still missing some open shots. So if they, it'll be just like that first game. There's going to be some games where they're on and they're going to light it up. Um, and I still think, you know, if, if you, if you step back as a non UBA fan and look at this team, there's a lot of pieces, um, a lot of guys who can, can hit shots compared to last year. So I, I don't think they'll go undefeated in the ACC, but, Given the, given the kind of the herky jerky nature of the scheduling and shutdowns, it would be a miracle for anyone to go undefeated in the league. What do you think, Ferber? Do do you think that the ACC um, still runs through UVA at this point? Yeah, I I think so. Um, they've sort of hit what I think. I mean, I think that my thing is there's some solid teams in the ACC, but there's no juggernauts. Even I would include UVA in that to this point. Um, if they play better, then I'll I'll rephrase. But um, I think there's a lot of very like above average teams, and then UVA could be the best among them. Like by the end of the season, um, you know, you, you've got Louisville's got talent. They seem pretty good. Virginia Tech seems much better than I thought they would be. Um, North Carolina is sort of up and down. Duke seems like you know that we know they have talent. They barely won last night against Boston College at home. Um, but I expect them to be near the top of the league standings. Clemson, like Dave says, is good. Um, but I, I would still like to see more of them before I you know, start to assume that they're going to be at the top of the standings by the end of the year. Um, and then, you know, Florida State defending league champs. I haven't really seen them play a lot, but, you know, they have talented players. Um, I, I think that it's going to be a competitive season. I think you're going to see some head-scratching losses. I think you're going to have... You know, a team. A lot of teams bunched up together in the middle, um, up to the high, high middle. You know, top four ish. I think you'll see that group. I don't think that group will separate a ton from the middle. Um, and I think that UVA will probably be in that top group. And you know, they just need to take care of their business and um, continue to improve and and not lay a bunch of eggs. And I think that that's why the stretch they have coming up is going to tell us a lot about them. Um, I'm not saying they have to win all these games, but you know you would expect them to handle their business in most of these coming up. I mean, Boston College and Notre Dame, who they already beat, um, 
And then you have a tough one at Clemson. That's going to be a, a difficult game. And then you have some other games that you can win, and, th- and then it gets tougher in the back half of the schedule. So um, if they can go out and handle their business, then that goes a long way towards proving that they belong at the top. And I expect them to do that for the most part um, with the occasional, you know, you're going to have some tight games in there. And uh, I, I think that's that's what I would like to say is that even UVA might end up with a win total that shows that they're one of the best teams or the best team in the league. But I think that they're going to be a lot closer to the middle than than the top team in the ACC would be in a lot of years. And I think you're going to see a lot of close games. And then obviously the, the elephant in the room is COVID. And we don't know how that's going to affect teams going forward with cancellations or individual players not being able to play or coaches like we saw with Duke last night um, or UVA with the assistants. So, I, I mean, I think that it's going to be a season in flux. And I think the the gap between the top and the middle and the middle and the bottom is probably just not as big as it has been in a lot of other years. I think that's actually a really good way to frame it. Honestly, the, like if you think of it as like a pack, right? Usually there are tiers. There's like no tier, right? And there's one huge tier. Maybe that you have yeah, a couple of teams. It's like a bottom, box. But... It's usually like a box and whisker plot where it's like <laughs> a, a, a big box in the middle. And then you have like a few teams on each end. Right. right? And yeah. now this year it feels to me like it's like a big blob. It's like a scatter plot. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have some teams that are going to be, they're going to eke out a lot of games and they're going to, you know, w- blow some teams out and finish with, you know, let's say 12 wins or whatever the top of the league's going to be at with less games. Um, and then you're going to have some teams that are on the wrong end of a lot of close games and are going to be six and seven or whatever their record will be. Yeah. I mean, usually you feel pretty good if, if UVA is one of like, you know, when you do, I mean, I got, dang, I just remembered power rankings. Remember those. Um, but like, if you think about like in terms of like a group, right. You wanted to be on the front end of it, but like here you could, it's almost like, you know, restrictor play racing for, for the NASCAR fan out there. Right. You can go from, from, from first to seventh, eighth really easily. Right. Trying to, to move one of these teams. I mean, somebody asked me the other day, like, who's the best team? And I'm like, Clemson, maybe, right? Because they seemed the most complete. Um, but you could you could say any number of teams, and and you know, your your pro points won't be nearly enough, you know, to to sort of counteract the weight of the negatives for any team this season. Normally, you, you know, you've got like a, a handful of teams, three, four of them who are just clearly better than everybody else. And that's just not the way this is. Like, this is just, you know, it's going to be real survival, honestly. Um, so UVA and was... That's, a- that's a perfect... Ex- Clemson's a perfect example. It's like everybody's like, they're really good. And I think they are one of the best teams. But, like, they they beat Miami by one, and they won in overtime last night against NC State. Like, if you flip those two results, nobody's talking about them. Like, you know, they're at the bottom of the standings. Like, you know, yeah. it's not it's not like the gap is it's not like they're just dominating, you know, because nobody yeah, Virginia is. Tech's look pretty good, but they've lost a couple of close games. So, yeah, they're not on the radar. But, yeah, the whole the whole league is weird. And I don't, I don't think that's surprising, given that, you know, you really didn't have a summer to develop. And, you know, even in normal years, there's so much turnover year to year amongst, you know, teams that aren't good or, you know, that. Teams are either really bad and they have big roster turnover, or they're really good and guys go pro. So, um, I think maybe by March, we, overall the league play steps up. Um, I mean, I expected to, you know, if they're able to kind of get into a rhythm here. But 
Yeah, I mean, no one's no one's scary. I mean, if Virginia get you know kind of gel on the defensive end, they could very well be the cream of the cream of the crop. And I don't know that that yeah, I can't say that won't happen. It's just it's going to take a little while to get there. All right. So last thing, and then we'll uh, be a little bit of a shorter show this week. Um, what do you want to see? Right. So Virginia has obviously some winnable games coming up. Um, you know, they get Boston College, uh, they get uh, Notre Dame next week, uh, a team they've obviously obviously already beaten. What do you want to see from this team over the next few games? For me, it's, I, I mean, if this is going to be the five, I want to see them, you know, continuing to get time. I want to see Beekman playing, you know, a bunch of minutes. I want to see Hauser continue to look comfortable. Ferber, let's start with you. What do you, what do you want to see from this team over the next few weeks, or the next few games, rather? I think the the obvious thing is just more cohesion on the defensive end, less fewer lapses. But I think also I would like to see them, you know, I want to see them against Boston College or one of these teams. Boston College would be a great team to start with. You know, go out, dominate from the start, put a team at arm's length, and hang on to that game or expand the lead and not have to sweat it out. Or I mean, and they sort of did that with Wake, but I want to see them continue to build on that, you know. Um play come out hot start off fast you know get out in front and because like a lot of these teams with the way uva plays if you get out 10 12 points and they have to earn everything so much on the offensive end you can you can get a you can get out of the game you know sometimes by halftime where it's just a formality almost and i think that's going to be the key in a season where you know teams are going to be under a lot of stress you know physically maybe with shorter benches and you know guys are in and out of the lineups or in and out of you know availability um, I think that, you know, being able to sort of assert yourself is, is going to be huge. And I, I'd like to see them start to do that with some of these games. Obviously last year they didn't have a lot of, well, they just didn't do that, you know, very often. And, and, um, they still won a lot of those games, but, um, I would feel a lot better about the conversation that we just had if they came out and, you know, started to kind of like put it on some teams. What about you, Dave? What are you looking forward yeah, to seeing? Similar. I mean, defensively, to me, there's a, there's a few things that they can fix, right? Effort and familiarity with who you're playing with. Effort they can control game game to game. Um, you know, they're comfortable with their teammate next to them because we, you know, that's that's what the pack line is. It's understanding, you know, the guy, the off ball guy is gonna gonna help, um, and you know he's gonna be there, so you do what you're supposed to do. So those two things, and then. You know the third one, which I don't know if they can fix it. It's three point defense. I think this team's going to struggle to guard the three point line this year, just because none of them, you know, well, not 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 none of them, but less than normal, <laughs> less than a normal amount of UVA guys are really really good de- defensive players. Um, so that's leading to more dribble drives, which leads to more reacting to the three point line, and you know the guys just aren't able to get out. You know. Sam and Jay, they just can't get out to the three-point line from from the paint fast enough to kind of make an impact on that. So if teams move the ball around, move the ball around, they're going to get open threes. So that I think we're going to have to live with. But the effort and the communication, and I want to see that continue to get better. And then offensively, I don't know if you guys feel it, but I feel like they're still a little bit too in love with the three-pointer. Um, I think there was a couple times last night where they took threes when there was a post up available or a dribble drive available. Um, 
you know, the three is a nice thing. You know, it's if you can make them, and this team's shooting what thirty five percent or for the year or something. That's pretty good. Um, but I just think the offense becomes going, you know, touching the paint, going to the post, um, driving. All that stuff helps get easier three pointers than some of the ones they they tend to, they get in these you know three or four possessions where they just come down and pass it around and shoot a three. That that I'd like to see to get better, you know, see get better as well. But yeah, I really felt like they got better in that game and started to come back when they started to get to the rim. Like yeah, which was it felt it felt like they were like, oh, we're better than these guys one on one. We can just take them to the basket and score, you know. And yeah. I think that's what UVA should be. I mean, like they should be, they should have more talent than a lot of these teams. They just won a national championship, like. You know, they are going to be one of the most talented teams. They can win one-on-one. And I feel like that sometimes, I said it earlier this year, but I think that sometimes they're, one of their downfalls is they're like too, they almost play too unselfishly at times. And it's like too much team run of, run the offense to its conclusion basketball, which is good basketball. But sometimes you just got to go make a play, get a bucket, as Brad says. Like, I think sometimes that they just need to remember that. And especially yeah. if the Beekman kid. Look, if Beekman's going to be able to do some of what he did, I mean, look, there was at least one Trey Murphy had. I was like, oh, okay. Like, that decisiveness is important. You know, sometimes you just got to go do it. And that's something I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to as well. You know, how, how consistent can they be? You know, we've talked a lot over the years, right, about the overpassing and the, you know, we've talked about this team, you know, seeming timid and, you know, kind of reluctant at times to make plays, waiting for somebody else to make a play, waiting, just kind of looking around at each other. I thought last night they did a great job just going and doing the thing, right? Didn't matter who, you know, who had the ball win. Um, you know, dudes just were really in the flow. And if anything else, and, and I realize I'm going to say this, and if – some reason the game gets canceled or postponed rather how to keep i gotta stop doing that um you know it'll it'll be all my fault but um actually i don't have that much power why am i worried about it um i really want these games to go off as scheduled because these these guys need the reps you know they need the seat time right um that was one thing that was really evident to me is that the more they were playing together you could see the light starting to get brighter right you could see them starting to get more comfortable especially hauser now Maybe I overestimated, you know, what it would be like to take a year off and then try to come back, be, you know, kind of a team leader in the middle of a pandemic. And if that's my, if I did, that's my fault. And I'll, I'll, I'll own that. But I thought he, he really seemed to get, you know, a lot more comfort in that second half. And comfort's in the name of the game right now, right? Te- there are lots of teams who are just, you know, trying to pick things up, right? Teams that haven't played games in weeks, teams that haven't played you know, consecutive games, you know, as scheduled to have you, um, you know, like I said, there's going to be a game next week at two 30 in the afternoon. Um, overall, I just feel like this team needs the, the, the reps. They need that seat time. And so hopefully these next couple games can kind of go off without a hitch and, and guys can, can get that. Um, anything else for the good order before we wrap up? All right, good. I, uh, I love when I ask you guys that question, you literally don't say anything. Um, always makes me feel <laughs> we got <like>. nothing. man. <laughs> Um, if you are, uh, somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple podcasts, sit your Spotify overcast, wherever it is that programs are offered, we should be there. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating and review, we appreciate it. Helps to get us out in front of more people. If you're somebody who's found the pod, but has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out. Castcorner.com. I see right now, um, season review is in full swing. I've got breakdown of the uh, pro football focus grades on defense 
and then I started going position by position. There's UVA's quarterback situation, which I think is as good as it's probably been. Gosh, probably as good as it's been since I've been covering the team, which is kind of staggering. Um, though I guess maybe if you said the year they had Bryce coming back, but given depth and everything, um, then there's a running back situation, which is not, which is unsettled in part because of you know some depth concerns, but also to just sort of like where does UVA want that position to fit in the scheme? Um, and then so also I've got a um, thread up on things that Tony had to say about guys after the game, Hauser especially. I thought was was interesting. So give all that a look either on the website or in your podcast app of choice. Um, yeah, so again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time, as always. I very much appreciate it. So for David Smith and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.